Lord, we, we lift you up and we recognize that you are holy and we are not. But only a holy God could, could reconcile us, could change us, could wash us, could make us new. So we worship your holiness and your goodness. We know you love us, Lord. Thank you for, for bringing us together today. Thank you for those that are joining us online. I pray now that you would speak to us through your word. You would change our hearts and start with mine. We don't want to leave you the same way we got here. So make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As you walked in, you should have found on your seat, or, or you, you can get one when you're leaving if you didn't have one. Uh, we have these little I'm in cards, and it's a really simple card. It just has a scripture, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. And what this card is, is last week we talked about tithing and giving and committing uh, 90 days to tithe and, and to trust God and partner with him with your finances. And not enough of you guys did it, so we're going to talk about it again. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Dan got that. Thank you, hon. <laughs> um, what, what this is, is this is an opportunity for you to sign your name on the line. And, and I don't want you to give these to us. This is not for us. This is for you. And so what I would encourage you as your pastor to do is to take this home, pray over it, sign it, and then put it somewhere that you can see it, on your refrigerator, uh, where you pay your bills, wherever it is that you need to see it. And over the next 90 days, commit, tithe, and watch what God does. I can't wait to, every time we do this, we hear stories of God supernaturally providing and, and blowing our minds and blowing people's minds. So I want to, if you're doing this, I want to pray over you. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your, your goodness, your incredible blessings, your grace. And I pray, Father, that, that as your people step up, they sign this thing and they commit to, to partner with you for the next 90 days. Your word says, test me in this and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing you can't contain it. I, I pray that you would do that for your people. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in the last week of our One Step series and we're going to talk about uh, one last step that you can take in this series. Uh, this guy's name is Joseph Osai. He was born in Lagos, Nigeria when he was 10 years old. His family moved to the United States. He started playing football, ended up playing football for the University of Texas. He's 22 years old. When he was, in, in 2021, he was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. And I want you to watch, we're going to see his draft announcement, but I want you to watch his family's reaction to him getting drafted because they came from Nigeria. They're living this, this is kind of the American dream. Their son is about to play in the NFL. And those of you that are online, I'm sorry, we're going to mute this part of the of the service because Facebook will mute the whole thing if we don't mute this. All right, sorry about that. Uh, but watch this announcement. Well, we don't want to mute it for everybody here too, so let's try it again. Ready? Here we go.
Isn't that a cool video? His family is living this dream. Now he's, he's 6'4", 263 pounds, and uh, played his, this year he played his first year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now before I say anything more about Joseph Osai, I want, we're going to go and look at the Bible. We're going to go to 1 Samuel, and we're going to look at a story that's going to teach us about the friend that we need, all right? The friend we need. So uh, this is one of my favorite stories. Like most of the, the Bible, it's centered around the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel at this time is not in a good place. The king is named Saul, and he's the king kind of by name only. Uh, the Philistines, their enemies, have come and taken over. They've taken all of their weapons. And so this is uh, what we find, how we find the nation of Israel at this point. So on the day of battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. So there are, in the entire nation of Israel, are only two swords. One is owned by the king Saul, and the other one is owned by his son Jonathan. Now the story continues with the king's son, Jonathan, and a guy who is his armor bearer. Now, uh, the, the armor bearer in the Bible was kind of like a personal attendant to a royalty, so he would be uh, like, a, like a valet or a butler, and uh, his, his job was really important during battle this armor bearer would guard Jonathan's back during a battle. So he would carry a shield and a weapon of his own, and they would fight back to back to make sure that nobody got to the king's son. Now, we don't know uh, his name, and it's a really important story, I think, in the Bible, but we never get his name. And so he's the armor bearer, so I named him Barry. Is that okay? Like, I'm not rewriting the Bible. So we're going to call Jonathan's armor bearer Barry Manilow, all right? <laughs> So Jonathan and Barry Manilow, okay? Now, Barry Manilow is Jewish, and so it's okay, because the nation of Israel, you get it, all right? Now, a lot of you don't know who this is, but your grandma really liked it, okay? So, just so you know. So in the army, uh, their army has been decimated. They were in the thousands, but because of what's gone on with Saul and him not being the, right, the rightful king in God's eyes, and there's a bunch of stuff going on, they're down to 600 men. Most of the army has either deserted them or some of them have been killed, and they're down to two swords. And Jonathan and Barry Manilow do something that is so crazy. So they make this incredible, take this incredible step of faith that they risk so big that if God doesn't do something, they're going to die, right? They're going to fall on their face and die. And God honors when we take big steps of faith that are so big, if God doesn't come along and help us, we're going to fall on our face. Noah building the ark. If, he, if it doesn't rain, he's going to look like a fool. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If, if God doesn't do something, they're going to die. They're going to be burned in the furnace. If uh, Daniel refusing to pray to the king, if God doesn't do something, he's going to be thrown into a, a pit of lions and killed. Uh, David challenging Goliath. If God doesn't do something, he's going to be killed. Uh, blind Bartimaeus throwing his cloak aside to follow Jesus. If God doesn't do something, he's going to lose his cloak. He's going to be in big trouble. So this kind of faith says there's no plan B. This is it. We're just going to go forward. And so, so Jonathan and his friend, Barry Manilow, they find out somehow where the Philistines are camped out. And this is what these probably teenagers, they're probably 15 or 16 years old when this happens. This is what they do. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his, the young man bearing his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Let me pause right there for a second. 
you don't have to tell everyone everything you're about to do. You don't have to tell everyone everything that God puts in your heart. If you have in your heart to pursue something great, don't, as a matter of fact, don't tell everyone. Because you're going to have one group of people who love you who don't want you to get hurt. So they'll say, ah, why don't you pull back a little? Maybe that's not for you. You're going to have a whole other group of people, your haters, who want you to fail. They're going to work against you and they're going to try and undermine you. So maybe you don't need to tell everybody everything you're doing. This story, um, if, if you look at Joseph in the Bible, God gives him this incredible vision and he goes and he tells his brothers. And his brothers get so mad, they steal his coat and they sell him as a slave. So maybe you don't need to tell everyone everything. Don't worry if people don't understand you, if they misinterpret what you're trying to do. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about your haters. You just keep moving forward. Jonathan didn't tell anybody anything that he was doing. I love this story too because it, sets, it, sh it shows us the power of a defining moment. There are moments in our lives. I believe that. I don't believe in coincidence. I think that God sets up these intersections in our lives to see what we're going to do. And I don't know how these guys found these, the, the Philistine outposts, but somehow they show up and Jonathan has this idea, hey, let's go over there. Let's go over to the other side, to the enemy's side. He has this big idea and he shares it with his, his armor bearer. Now, when, when God gives you something to do in your heart, you start to feel different. Once you have an encounter with God and you have this vision for your future, you start to feel like a different person. There are 600 soldiers who didn't have the guts to do what this guy's about to do. But because God has given him a vision, he feels different than those guys. And some of you, God gives you a vision to do something and you're trying to go somewhere, and now you don't fit in where you used to fit in. You go hang around with your old family, your old friends, or your old places, and you just don't fit in there anymore because you're different inside. God has given you this new assignment and you don't fit in. Let me, let me illustrate this very simply. Have you ever got really dressed up to go to like prom or a wedding or maybe a quinceanera and you got the whole rented tux and the shiny shoes, the little flower right here with the little white stuff behind it. That's how you know you're really dressed up. When you got the little white stuff behind the flower, you're decked out, right? Maybe you have a formal dress on, you're all decked out. And on the way over there, you got to put in gas. So you stop, you get out, your shiny shoes, your tux, the little white, you're decked out, right? And you even look at yourself in the car window, you're like, mm. I would date myself. You know what I mean? Like you look good, right? And you go to put in gas and all around you, people are wearing like flip-flops and shorts and t-shirts and stuff. And so you feel weird being there, right? So you feel like you got to explain to them, I'm going to a wedding. I'm not weird. I didn't rent this just to come put in gas. Like I'm, I'm normal. I'm going to a, right? You feel weird because you're dressed for the place you're going not for the place you are. You feel like you stick out because inside of you, you're prepared for the place you're going, not the place you are. People don't understand you. Because God is preparing you for the place you're going. Stop dressing down for where you're at and just pursue where God has told you to go. Don't apologize, stop trying to minimize, stop trying to shrink. Instead, be everything that God has made you to be because God has given you an assignment 
and he's taking you somewhere and you don't fit here anymore anyway. So this is what happens next. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes, the other Sina. So Bozes means slimy or slippery, and Sina means thorny, so there's all these thorn bushes. God is about to take Jonathan to a new place in his relationship with him, right? So he wants him to climb up somewhere new. But in order to get there, he's going to have to go through some slimy and some thorny places. I'm preaching good today, man. I'm going to tell you right. All right? And for you to get where God wants you to go, a state championship, college, straight A's, own a business, start a company, get a promotion, have a family, raise some good kids, you're going to have to go through some stuff. You're going to have to go through some slimy places and some thorny places. But this is going to test whether or not you really want it. So if you're single, you're going to have to date some slimy dudes, some slimy ladies to find the one. Who's already dated a few slimy? Don't point at them if they're here, right? You're like, I see him right over there. He's right there. He made me pay for my own dinner. Okay, whatever, right? I'm sorry. If you're married and you want your marriage to go the distance, you're going to go through some slimy, slippery places. You're going to go through some thorny places where you get cut up and scratched. But I want to encourage you. Diane and I this week celebrated 33 years that we've been married. And it has absolutely been worth it. It has, right? Okay, yeah. This is what separates the contenders from the pretenders from the people that really want it and the people that really want it handed to them. Jonathan and Barry Manilow had to climb through this place that was slimy and slippery and thorny. So they get to the top and Jonathan gives Barry a motivational speech. All right? Now, I used to teach public speaking, taught it at Ames, taught it at UNC. I've done a bunch of motivational speaking and so I, I'm really interested. I love listening to motivational speakers. Really interested in the speech. Here's the speech. Ready? Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. The 930 service really started laughing there, and I was like, God, Beavis and Butthead are here. You know what I mean? Like, he said uncircumcised. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> Sorry. So he tells him, let's start over. Let's go over there. I'll just say that. Then he says, perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Perhaps? Maybe? Now, there's, these are two young teenagers, right? And they're about to go over, and there's 20 grown men on the other side. These are full-grown men. They're hairy legs. They shave everything, right? These are full-grown men. And here we have two teenagers, and Jonathan is saying, perhaps? The Message Bible says, Maybe, maybe God will help us. Now, if I'm, if I'm Barry Manilow, I know two things. One, we only have one sword. We only, remember, we, we read that just a chapter ago, right? We have one sword. And Jonathan is the king's son. So who do you think is getting the sword? Jonathan. 
Barry Manilow doesn't get a sword, right? And Jonathan's saying, perhaps, maybe it'll work out. I don't got a sword, Jonathan. I don't, you know what Barry Manilow had? This is in your Bible, by the way, okay? He had this. He had one of these. It says, all that the Philistines let them keep were their farming equipment. So he's got a rake, okay? And a maybe. Jonathan, I'm gonna need a little more than maybe. I'm gonna need a little more than perhaps. For me to go over there, I'm gonna need a little more than that. And maybe you have felt that way before. I know God can, I know God can do this. I know God can heal me. I know God can provide. I know he can take care of my family. I know he can free me for this, from this addiction. Maybe he will. Like that's not very, imagine you came to me, Pastor Angel, I'm, I, I've, got, I've got this terrible thing going on with my kids and I need God to do something. And I go, well, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Like, that's not really faith inspiring, you know what I mean? Like I want a little more than perhaps and maybe. So look at what Jonathan says next. He goes from perhaps to nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. He goes from maybe to nothing can stop God. Do you see that in one sentence how that, now it's like, wait, wait, like he, he, he goes from, from maybe God will do it to no matter the situation, God is powerful enough to deal with it. His hand isn't weak, his arm isn't short, he's capable and nothing can stop him no matter what's going on in your kid's life, your marriage, in the economy, in, at work, nothing can stop the Lord. Now, yesterday, somebody, yeah, you can. Yesterday, someone asked me, um, have you heard that the United States might be heading into a recession, right? Of course I heard that. I keep up with the news a little. And uh, I said, yeah, I heard that. And they said, are you worried? And I said, no, I'm, I'm honestly not worried at all. Because for the last 27 years, Diane and I have tithed. So it's not just us. We're not doing this by ourselves. We've got the Lord with us. And I don't know if you've been listening, but nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Nothing. No recession, no economy, no nothing. So Jonathan, it seems like, is being double-minded here. He's kind of going back and forth. Well, perhaps, and then he goes to nothing and hinder. But I think what we're seeing is the progression of his faith. As he's talking about it, as he's thinking about it, he asks himself, can God save us? And then he realizes, yes, nothing can stop God. Nothing can hinder the Lord. He's going to save us, whether it's just a couple of us or whether there's a lot. And I want you to know that God is comfortable with your perhaps next to his nothing can hinder. God's not mad at you for doubting and struggling and wondering if he's going to do it. He's okay with that. He understands how we're wired. But I want to encourage your faith. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Nothing can stop God from intervening in your situation on your behalf because he's on your side and he loves you. So Barry Manilow is standing there listening to this, probably 14 years old. You know what I mean? Remember when you were 14 and you thought you were a man? Like, I think about that. Now, if you're 14 here, I am a man. I, okay, you are. I get it, all right? But... So he's getting pumped up. He's getting hyped up. And look what Barry Manilow with his rake tells Jonathan. Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. 
I'm with you, heart and soul. I love that kind of faith. He looks at him. All right, man, let's go. I got the leaves. You know, if there's any leaves, man, I got them. You kill those. I'm going to get the back, though. I got up. Right? He's ready to fight. And if all you have is a rake, and God, you are in the majority. If all you have is a little bit of faith, and God, if all you've got is three bucks in your checking account, and God, you're good. If all you have is a rake and a bad report from the doctor, if all you have is a rake and some kids that are going crazy, if all you have is a rake and your marriage is struggling, if all you have is a rake and your finances are a mess, I want you to know that you are in the right place. But we've got to make this a prayer. So I think this is our prayer, and I would encourage you to make this your prayer. Look at God and say, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Make that your prayer. As things start to kind of get scary and, and you feel like God's telling you to do something, God, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. If you're a student, if you're in school, I would encourage you, you be the student that tells your teacher, I'm not going to waste the opportunity I have sitting in this chair. I want to be, I want to learn. I want everything you have for me. So go ahead and do all that you have in mind. I'm with you, heart and soul. I, I've spoken at a lot of high schools and I'm a, uh, my dad was a first generation American. So he was a, they were migrant farm workers. I know how hard he worked so that I could sit in a high school classroom and learn. Opportunity he never had. So I used to tell students, how dare you waste the opportunity that you have to sit in this chair. Somebody walked across the desert and almost died so you could be in this chair. Get off your butt and do everything you can to honor your family. And that goes for some of you. Some of you, your family are immigrants, and they worked so hard to get here, and you're sitting on the couch complaining and crying about how it's not fair. Can I be honest with you as your pastor? Instead of that, look at God and say, I'm ready, baby. Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. <laughs> to your coaches, you play a sport. You be the one that goes to the coach. Coach. Whatever you have in mind, go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. I'm all in. I've coached a lot of kids, coached several different sports, and I have never had a student tell me that. You know what I have had? Why isn't my baby getting more playing time? Because he's terrible, that's why. Because he doesn't go to practice, and he sits around complaining, and now I see where he gets it. Okay, I can never say that. I feel so much better saying it to you, but instead of that, Coach, go ahead. Whatever you have in mind, I'm with you, heart and soul. You want to change my position? Go ahead. I want to do everything I can to help this team. I'm with you, heart and soul. What if you went to your boss and said, Boss, do everything you have in mind. Go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. You're like, Angel, you don't know my boss. Like, I don't think he's the devil. Pretty sure he's the devil's brother. Like, he's, he's bad. But remember the day that they hired you? Remember when they called you? And they asked you, when can you start? And you hung up that phone, and the first thing you said was, God, thank you. Thank you for this blessing. Thank you for putting me here. Remember that? If God put you there, he has a plan for you there. So go to your boss and say, go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Whatever you want to do, man, I'm, I'm behind you. I'm there. He might die of a heart attack if you say that, right? 
And maybe that's the plan. I don't know, but... But I do know this. God can do so much with this kind of surrendered heart. Barry Man, I'm not, I'm not going to finish the story. I want you to go home and read it. But watch what God can do with a, a heart like that. So Barry Manilow teaches us the friend we need is an encourager. We need somebody in our life encouraging us, right? We need somebody coming along saying, we can, you can do this. We can do this. Go ahead. I'm with you heart and soul. Now, you might say, well, nobody's encouraging me. What do you think I'm doing right here, right now? Why do you think God brought you here, right here, right now? Because I'm, I'm looking at you, and I'm saying nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. So that's the friend we need. But you know what else it is? That's the friend we need to be. You've got to be the one to speak life into other people. You've got to be the one to build them up. You've got to be the one to call things out in them that you see. So last week, if you were watching the Chiefs and the Bengals play, the game came down to the last couple of plays, and the quarterback for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, was running the ball, and Joseph Osai was chasing him, and as soon as Patrick stepped out of bounds, and this is what happened. Afterwards, Joseph Osai said, I didn't realize we were out of bounds. I was trying to stop him from getting out of bounds. The guy's 22 years old. He hit him out of bounds, got a penalty, moved the Chiefs 15 yards closer. They kicked a field goal, won the game. Joseph Osai's mistake may have lost his team the opportunity to go to a Super Bowl. And so millions of people are watching this. And this is what we saw at the end of the game. How many of you guys remember seeing that? The dude is weeping and crying. He's 22 years old. And he just cost his teammates and, and all the fans a shot at the, at the Super Bowl. A lot of people were mad at him. He was trending on Twitter. Idiot. And what's this dummy doing? One of his teammates went viral, cussing him out on the way to the locker room. Everybody's mad at him. And if you watch the, this moment, all of his teammates start heading to the locker room. Everybody walked away. His teammates... His coaches, Joseph Osai was sitting there by himself crying. But then one person stayed. His name's Cameron Sample. I don't know his story. I don't know who his parents are, but I do know this. Somebody raised this guy right. Because he stayed by his side. When everybody else walked away, he sat next to him. He hugged him as his friend cried. You know, sometimes when someone's hurting, you don't need to say anything. They're not going to remember what you said anyway. But they're going to remember that you were there. You're going to remember that you sat with them. The Bible says sometimes all we're supposed to do is weep with those who are weeping. And he sat with his friend and he encouraged him and he built him up. You know, you know what he was? He was that friend we need to be. He was an encourager. Lifting his friends up. You need that from someone and you need to be that for someone. So I'm so incredibly blessed. I have so many people in my life that lift me up and encourage me. But one of them, I, ha I definitely have a do whatever you have in mind. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul, on my staff. I have, I have, I have everyone on my staff is, is like this. But today is Ben's birthday. 
And so he is my, he's my guy. He is my Barry Manilow. Thank you for being my Barry Manilow, Ben. <laughs> Benny Manilow. Today's his birthday. And so if you see him out there, would you grab him and, and hug him and tell him happy birthday? And would you especially, uh, would you put some money in his hand so he could go get a good lunch? Like give him a little cash, slip him some cash and just wish him a good happy birthday. I'm going to pray and we're going to close the service. But as you leave, today is Connect Group Sunday. We do this every, uh, we do this twice a year. It's an eight-week uh, commitment. So you should have received one of these as you walked in. There's all the different connect groups. Diane and I are running one. There's several, 17 different groups. And they meet for eight weeks. This is an opportunity for you to show up. You're going to meet some new Christian friends, which is important. You're going to have a chance to be encouraged and to be an encourager. So I want to encourage you to push back the regular, like, ah, let's just go. Let's just go. We'll, we'll, we'll check it out later. I want to encourage you to push past that and sign up for a group. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the encouragers that we have in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to find people who need encouragement and lift them up and stand with those who are hurting. Use us, Father. We want to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give Pastor Angel a round of applause. Now, as uh, Angel mentioned, you know, uh, the whole reason, well, he mentioned the staff and things, and the whole reason we're behind Angel is not only because, you know, he's an incredible pastor that we can all agree on, but um, he, he is that for us. He's the encourager, and he's uh, led us through a lot of different things, and the Bible tells us that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and the whole reason that Mosaic Church exists and was born out of Angel and Diane's heart is to connect those who are far from God and connect them into life through Jesus Christ. And if that's you, you feel you haven't made that step, you haven't made that initial step, um, and you need Jesus as that friend uh, in your life, we want to give you that opportunity to do so. And so right now I'm going to say a very simple prayer. You bring the words behind the prayer. And um, so magical, anything that we're saying, it's just quite simply, it's just uh, you bringing in the heart behind those words. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, please repeat this prayer after me. Dear God. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to die on a cross for my sins. God, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to wash away my sins. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. I make you number one in everything I do. I'm gonna serve you from this day forward. Amen. You said that prayer for the first time. We wanna say welcome. Uh, welcome home to the family of God. Um, if it's your first time visiting here, we'd like you to take out your phone, scan that QR code, as well as if you said that prayer for the first time, please scan that QR code and go ahead and select new believer, first time visitor there on the menu. We have a gift that we would like to send you. Um, it's not like a $50 gift card to Panera Bread or anything like that, but it's a nice gift to help you along in your journey. And um, we promise we're not gonna make it weird and show up to your house with a, a loaf of bread or anything like that. Um, but please go ahead and uh, scan that QR code. And uh, if you aren't great with technology or you don't wanna mess with that, um, you're not really sure how to do it, uh, you can walk straight out those doors uh, around the corner to the info center and you can fill out a, um, a, a paper card. Couple quick announcements that we have. 
Uh, first, foremost, again, connect groups. Make sure you're signing there. Um, I can't begin to even list the amount of friendships that my wife and I, in the last you know, 14 years or so, being here at the church that we've built. And the reason we've been able to do that is because the whole purpose of connect groups is take us from rows into circles. And true relationship is built when you're sitting around a table talking with those around you. So make sure that you join a connect group and uh, enjoy the time. There's literally something for everyone. So please join one. Um, Discover Mosaic, if you're not really sure, if, you've been, if this is your first time or you've been here a couple times, you're not really sure if you want to make the jump and call Mosaic Church your home because you're just not quite sure what we believe and how we're wired and all that, you want to go to Discover Mosaic. Okay, that is February 26th okay, at 5 p.m. here at the church. We will provide dinner and we go over all the things about what Mosaic is all about and we encourage you to be a part of what we're doing and share, share the vision and all that with you. Uh, we have a worship night. February 24th at 7 p.m. Uh, the last one we had last week was excellent. It's an hour of just worship, okay? So um, if, if you didn't like Angel's message, you don't like hearing him speak, make sure you come to worship night. Just kidding. But worship night, guys, um, it's going to be the last Friday of every single month at 7 p.m. here. So come on out, worship. Just, you know, just saturate your heart in, in what God has for you during worship. And then one last announcement. Uh, next week is a really big game. And um, some sport, I can't remember which one, but it's a big game. You'll want to wear uh, your favorite jersey of a team that plays in that association. So I don't want to get us in trouble online saying the big game's name. So just wear that jersey. No, I'm kidding. It's Super Bowl Sunday next week, so wear your favorite NFL team's jersey. Um, so anyway, we are going to continue that same spirit of worship, guys, with our giving. Again, you can scan that QR code or use four ways you can give. Uh, Sunday morning in person, straight out those doors, the black box, greenlymosaic.com, or text any amount to 84320. You can use the Church Center app. We are going to pray over this time, guys. And if you have that card and you're not sure you want to sign it, I know I've had a couple of, or one minute over, but I want to share with you a quick, quick story, okay? I have no shame in standing up here and telling you that at one point in our lives, God challenged us to remain faithful no matter what. And at one point um, during the last recession, we were six months behind on our mortgage. Six months. And the banks were a lot more lenient because they had a lot of mortgages, right? But we were still faithful in our giving. And no matter what, groceries always showed up on the table, the lights stayed on, the heat stayed on. And we were at our worst thinking, well, we're gonna lose this house. We don't know what else to do. A friend showed up and wrote me a check without even asking. And that friend came out of the kindness of his heart because he knew we were struggling. And I paid him back every penny, even though he didn't ask me to. But God provided that. And a few years later, when we sold that house, I sat on the floor after we closed and I wept. And I thanked God for all of his provision and goodness in our lives. That he had a friend that stepped in and helped us when we needed it most financially. And so that's just one small little story that God will provide if you just stay faithful. So I'm gonna pray over this tithe and offering and we'll get out of here. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all of your grace, your mercy and your provision in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every home in this church right now, Lord, and their families. Put an umbrella of protection over each and every single one of them financially, Lord, and spiritually and, and relationally and health in every single way, Lord. We give you this tithe and offering of the full and a joyful heart, knowing that you're gonna use it to bless others and continue to provide in our own lives. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful week. The prayer team will be up here at the front if you need additional prayer. And hey, go Nuggets. They are on a heater. Go Nuggets.